This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Great stuff. We're going to continue on um, the theme of last week and hopefully we'll get past the introduction tonight because we only got to halfway of the introduction last week. And um, how many of you were here last week? Okay, so about 50% or 40%. I don't know what that is, but like I was here, I was on my phone while I was here. I don't, I don't know. But minister, socks, sort them out. Okay. Okay, you know the password. Okay. The minister of defense is sitting in front here, and he will defend me when he needs to defend me. Okay. So we, we started to look at this concept of the lordship of Christ. And there's a lot of people that um, today want to follow Jesus for the benefits that they can get. And, and you know, Jesus died without any strings attached, so he loves us. He, um, salvation in that sense is free, but it's not cheap. And so a, a lot of people uh, sort of have a consumer relationship with God and um, sort of uh, like to date God, meaning like once a week we date um, and, and sort of like, hey, have the, have the, you know, when you date, you sort of put your best feet in front, you wear your best cologne, hey, Rowan, you just put everything in there, and you just, you know, it's like you, your best smile, you stand in front of the mirror, and you just like, you know, you just like, you have that smile, you like, because you, you want to impress somebody, um, but you don't invite them to your, if you're living in a flat, to your kitchen, because that's where you should go and look, ladies, if that guy is inviting you for a date. Just say, can I, can I, can we eat in your kitchen? And then you'll see the guy disappear for two days because he'll like use Mr. Clean, Mr. Screen, Mr. Everything. And, and, and he'll screen out that place, all the bugs, all the stuff that's been gathering there and in the plates, you know, because um, men sometimes do stuff like that. But um, so in Luke chapter 5, that's where we started is where Jesus walks into the lives of the disciples and then he calls him the second time and we see Peter fall on his face before God and he says, depart from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. He realizes who he is in relationship to God and for the first time he mentions this word, Lord, which we got the word curious from and um, Jesus eventually says to him, hey, get up, Peter, Um, I'm going to teach you to follow me. I'm going to teach you to, to become fishers of men. And you know, the amazing thing is discipleship and following God isn't just for your first year or your first six months when you just got to become a Christian. Every day you're following God. Every day God is moving. You never stop growing. And if you have this mentality of a being a consumer Christian, then what you and I do is sort of like, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to check what God is doing, but I'm going to check from a distance and I'm going to see what benefits I can get and then I'm going to go on. But lordship means I have surrendered everything. He is my master. He's my owner. I am his possession. So even with this body and with this, these emotions, I cannot be in control of it. And so the, the whole contention in the world and the whole contention for your life is who has got, who's got control over your life? Is it God? Is it yourself? Or is it the world? Or is it the devil? And we looked at um, this idea of the master 
And then we started to look at this issue of control. We spoke a bit about the fear of God. We spoke a bit about not being familiar with God. It's like, Jesus, you're my buddy, and you know, you're my genie. When, when it's test week, then I call upon you. But for the rest of the time, I really don't have any. I don't really care about you. <laughs> I don't really care about what's your will or your desire. Um, and and so, so God is making a shift. And there's a massive shift in the church, in the world, except in the West. Um, but in the world, so many people, even today, in the two hours that we will be here, 40 people would die for their lives, would lay down their lives for Christ. 40 people, let's count, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, the first five rows, please stand up. That's around about 40. That's the number of people that would die for their faith while we have a service here tonight. Would physically lay down their lives for the sake of Christ. Okay, you remain standing for the rest of the service. Okay, now you can sit down, you can sit down. <laughs> Woo, now it's going to get quiet, okay? So we looked at this thing of control and we're going we're gonna to focus a little bit on that tonight. So, so hang in there. But sin is giving something control over your life and you end up in, da, 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 in terror, no, no, end up missing the will of God. <laughs> so sin is simply meaning I'm giving something control on the outside that will influence me so that it will have so much control that I can't do the will of God. Because sin literally means to miss the bullseye, to miss the mark, to miss the purpose or the will of God for my life. And then we went on to look at this idea of idolatry is where I actually start to worship something and I place something above God and it becomes worship, becomes an idol in my life. And so we look, go to India, we go to Nepal, we go to places and we look at all these shrines and all these big temples and it's like, ah, there's no idolatry. Yeah, because they really have idolatry. But the idols in the West is much bigger, much stronger, because it's idols that's many times right here. It's perceptions that's right in our mind. It's stuff that has control over our mind, over our emotions, that we, that we sort of start to worship in the place of God. But the amazing thing we saw last week is that's why Jesus walked into the fishermen's lives and Peter's life, and he says, Peter, I want to settle something with you, that the area that you are the best at, that is where I want to be your Lord first, not just in the weakness. So Peter says, hey, Jesus, we've been trying to catch fish all night. We've been really going for it, but you know, you stick to carpentry and I'll stick to fishing and, um, and then we'll rumble the kingdom. But don't come and tell me after I've known for so many years that you don't catch fish at this hour. Now you come and tell me that I must cast nets on the other side again. Jesus, <clears throat> you're a bit out of your mind. That's what... I would have thought. But yet Peter says, at your word, Lord, I'm going to cast the net again. At your word. At the word of God. Because you realize the, the word of God is his highest authority. So the devil wants to have control. And so we, we looked at ungodly control in many ways. There's like domination, manipulation. Is sometimes it gets into our relationships. Fear and intimidation. Do you know how many people are intimidated by other people, but because of a control issue? Now, there may be people in your life that intimidate you. Maybe it's somebody from another race, a color, or an age group. Maybe some people has got a hold on you, but you don't even realize it, but you'll see how you respond or how you react. 
And then we get terrorism, which is an organized system of intimidation or witchcraft on the spiritual side, which is control outside of God's authority. It's when other forces use control or authority over our lives or in certain areas to actually get a hold over them. Now, if you know a bit of the the negative side of the spiritual realm, you'll realize that you can go to the witch doctor and you know what? You'll actually get healed. But the way that you get healed is by replacement, meaning that another spirit takes control of that sickness and it overpowers that sickness. It takes control and then you actually are worse off because it's not God's authority. It's something else that takes the place. But again, it's about control. So that's why people get healed when they go to the witch doctor. But it's not God, it's not the source. And because it is not free of love and of the freedom of Christ, that thing will always take control of your life. But just in a greater way, it's called a curse. And that will run out down to the 10th generation, the Bible says. But God doesn't work by control. And then the last thing we looked at is the power of religion. Now, religion, there's good religion and there's bad religion. Good religion, Scripture says, is when we look after the widows and the orphans. We take, you know, we take care of others. But there's a religious thing, and Romans 8 verse 15 speaks about it. It's called the spirit of bondage again to fear. And Scripture says there, Paul writes to the believers, and he says, You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. <laughs> He says, but there's there's another spirit that that tries to force you on the outside to become something, but nothing on the outside can ever change you really, can define you. It's only what happens in the heart. It's only what, what happens inside. And that's why when the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, where's the kingdom? Show us the kingdom. And he says, the kingdom is inside of you. <laughs> And that's why the most powerful thing is when God comes to live inside of us as Christians, as beings, then suddenly the the kingdom starts to live from the inside out. Say inside out, not from the outside in. So how does the world work? You know, just even in what seems to be a good way or a successful way or whatever, sometimes our parents say to you, do you know what, if you get straight A's in matric, or you get 89% or 91, then do you know what? Then I'm going to reward you. Because what you do on the outside will determine who you are. And God says the kingdom doesn't work like that. It's what happens on the inside. Now some are going to say, yo, yo, now I'm not going to study. Hallelujah. The pastor said it. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But everything that happens must be here. And that's why, you know, the only two people, types of people God resists are the pride, the proudful, and the hypocrites. The hypocrites, what is a hypocrite? It's an actor. And those were the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day because they they try to have this form of godliness on the outside. Coming to church and saying, how are you? Perfect. How are you? Blessed. Amazing. But just before they came to church, they just had all the stuff that they just put in that cupboard and they closed that cupboard. And I say, if somebody will just not see what's in that cupboard, if somebody will just not realize how much fear I actually have. But see, that's what religion does. Religion has got an outward appearance, 
And Timothy, Paul writes later in it, and, and, and Thessalonians also, but he says there's a form of godliness, but you deny the power. Now, we just think in terms of religion as, oh, being in a church building or coming to a seance or something that goes like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, being religious and then being like, reserved. But there's so many religions out there that wants to force its worldview upon you. The worship of self is a religion. Postmodernism, liberalism, some of you are at SU Leeds. And I'm saying it with a lot of respect. But the guys running SU Leeds have just got one idea, is let's try and force as much liberal ways of thinking because we want to get this university to be a secular university. So, so then they do stuff that sort of like forces stuff upon you. And you think like, that's actually crazy. They're telling everybody to be tolerant, but they don't want to be tolerant. Okay, that's just the introduction. It's very quiet. Why is it, Max, so quiet in here? Okay, so, so let's, let's move on. In Matthew 7, so Jesus comes to this, and this is one of the scary scriptures to me because it, it sort of, it talks a bit to the charismatic, even the people that move in the power of God. But it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So lordship is connected to two things, intimacy and God having complete control. Because that's what he says. Some people are going to stand before me and say, Lord, Lord. They're going to even say, Master, Master. But I'm not their master because they have no intimacy with me. That word for intimacy is the same word, yada, which is when a husband and a wife comes together in sexual intercourse. Same word. Closely knowing. Intimately knowing. But he says, I never knew you, the one who doesn't now do the will of God. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. Lawlessness is the sign of the age. It's the Antichrist spirit, which means somebody that takes the law into his own hands. Somebody that takes control. So it's a control issue. And there's a big control issue. Listen to this in Romans 6 verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So there's an obedience. There's something God wants to release in our lives and he wants us to live like that. So let's go to the temptation of Christ. I'm just throwing some ideas in here, just part of the introduction, so hang on. Okay, Luke chapter 4 verse 5 to 8. So the devil comes to Jesus. Jesus has just fasted for 40 days. I love the scripture because it never, it never evangelistically speak over hyperbolizing. Okay. It just says, and after 40 days of fasting, Jesus was hungry. I would have been starving, you know, give me something. But in any case, so, so now the Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness So it wasn't just by chance, it was actually leading of God. God wanted this confrontation, but to teach us something. So Jesus gets to this, and the devil taking him up on a high mountain, verse 5, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to and given, and, and I give it to whomever I wish. 
Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Authority and worship. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So, there's this thing of the devil coming to him and saying to him, Look here, why don't you do this? Why don't you change the first he said about, spoke about the stones and turn it into bread. Then he said, hey, I can give you the kingdoms. He said, if you get up onto the temple mount and jump down, the angels will catch you. But it's all got to do with this one thing about, Jesus, are you going to take the will of God into your own hands and do the will of God in another way than what God has actually called you to do? And some of it looked actually very nice. It looked very good. <laughs> because he said, you know, if you can change these stones into bread, then what will happen is all the people will come out to the wilderness and then they will worship you there. You've got your crowd, Jesus. <laughs> and then you can preach to them. Tell them you're the Messiah. Say to them, repent. But just do it in your own strength. And so, so we have this challenge as Christians and especially as Christians in the West, we have this performance mentality and we, we really sometimes fall for the lie that the things on the outside, how, the more we do, the more we perform for God, the more He will be Lord of our lives, but it actually works a different way. He says, come and surrender. And then we say, but, but we don't know how to do that because our culture doesn't teach us. It's so difficult to surrender because we are control freaks. We are trained to, through Facebook and Instagram, show the world how good we are and portray something. So what do we do? We take control of our lives and we control our image and we control, we want to control the outcomes. And then God says, surrender, surrender, surrender. And to be honest, we haven't got a clue how to do it. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. So, so, so yeah, in this place of this temptation, we, we see how the devil is tempting Jesus in this one area. And eventually at the cross, I, we, we see the ultimate thing. Sometimes we just see the, see the death. We see, but the surrender, the yielding of complete control to the Father is what Jesus came to show us on the cross. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. So in First Peter two verse, First Peter 4 verse 2, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For you who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So doing the will of God should be your highest pleasure. Not because it's a yoke on you. Not because it's like the 10 stuff you have to do. But because you have been made to do the will of God and to worship Him. Anything outside of that will never fulfill you. Now doing the will of God doesn't mean just running around with your Bible on the street corner and preaching. It may be that you can become the best doctor ever. But you're going to do it differently than the rest of the world. Because you're not doing it because you want to control others or you want them to say all these great stuff about you because you're not mindful of the things of man. You're mindful of the things of God. <laughs> you're doing it for God. And everything you're doing, your studies, everything you're doing, you're doing it because you want to please Him. And you know that He's already pleased with you. But now the only thing you do in, in return is to surrender. 
and say, God, let my life become a tool, a worship tool for you. Let, let me glorify you. Can you say amen in that place? So we're controlled by the will of the master. And that's why one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is called self-control. Whoa. Self-control. Because it starts right in your life right here. Learning to say yes to the right things and learning to say no to the wrong things. <laughs> because self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And fruit is grown, not given. I mean, it's not a gift. You can't say, Lord, give me self-control. Lord, Lord, give me. Lord, let me wake up with more self-control. Because, Lord, that Pringle chips. Ooh, you know, that, Lord, I resist the spirit of Pringles. Yeah. But self-control is so beautiful because it takes on this character of Christ and, it, and it's part of the fruit of our lives. It, it starts there where you learn to put the right boundaries because you know what's best for you in the long run, in eternity. Because you're not living for what you can get right now. So your flesh every day is going to compete with the Lordship of Christ in your life. This temple. What do you feed it with? Physically, emotionally, spiritually. That's where it starts. The Lordship of Christ starts right here. And there's some of us here tonight, we struggle so much because we sometimes emotional or we just like go for the next thing or just run and we, our passion wants to destroy us. But you know, passion without compassion breeds fanaticism. Because you're not motivated by the love of God. You're motivated by something else, by your emotions. Nothing wrong with passion. No, no, I, I didn't quote that. It was Reinhard Bunker that actually quoted it. I just wanted to, I, it felt so good to quote it out of myself. Okay, it was my flesh taking control completely there, okay? <laughs> but we give control over to God. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just quickly share six things. And then we're going we're gonna to pray. And, and next week when we finish the series, then we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the practical things as well. Quickly, six things. When it comes to giving over control, the, the first thing is learning to surrender to God, to absolutely abandon yourself because you realize it's about worship. It says that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he saw the wrath of God, he saw separation with God, he was obedient because he trusted the will of God. That's real worship. Worship is not a nice song because we feel good about the songs that we sing. Worship is about surrendering because you trust that the person, the Lord that you serve, knows best. You know, when I studied here, I thought like, yeah, there's some things, you know, I've said it before. But sometimes I said, Lord, I'm going to finish my studies because you know what? Accounting and all of that stuff, accountants can also go to heaven all that stuff. But Stellenbosch will never see me again. Never. And all I can say to you is, never say never to God. Never, 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 never. Don't say never, never, never. Because then he thinks of ever, 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 ever. You know? <laughs> 25 years later, the never has become an ever. Because one day to the Lord is like a thousand years. Eh? Ah. <laughs> Mm. Some of you already said never. But hallelujah. 
But see, when we use stuff like that, then we take control and we must just say, okay, Lord, but I don't, I don't know. But Lord, I trust. So surrender is about trust. Surrender is about knowing that the will of God, even when he says no to you, is the best for you. He's always going to do the best. And he's always got long-term and eternity in mind. Can somebody say amen? amen. The second thing is when we, when we want to live free from control. Because what I'm saying is people on the outside, your circumstances, your future, your past, nothing should ever control you except God. Because his control comes out of an unconditional love. While everybody else and everything else comes out of conditions and is fear-motivated. And sometimes would intimidate, intimidate you. So Christians should not make their decisions based on fear. But one of the things that really and that trap us is, and, and, and I trust that the Lord will set some of us free here tonight, is, is the power of unforgiveness. Listen to what David Cross says. If I am insecure because I've been rejected or wounded by others, I will desire to control my environment and other people in order to try and feel safe. I may also desire to control how I present myself to others in order to avoid rejection again. Sometimes we do it to try and get significance or power or security. Wrong control only defiles relationships and leads to deception, isolation, and further rejection. You can take out your phone and just like... Take that quote and just go and think about it. Because it's really true what he's saying. And see, that's what the power of the world does, is that lady says to you, well, just go, just sleep with me. Just like, if you don't sleep with me, you don't really love me. That's not love. Because I'm trying to manipulate somebody. I'm trying to take control over the situation. I'm trying to change the person. Through manipulation of fear and in medium term and long term that relationship would suffer so much and and so so the challenge all of us if you really think about this we sometimes grow up in a in a home where where you your dad says to you well well if you do this then i'm going to do that or you'll never be like this or you you just this and and those words just carry so much power over us or sometimes we are hurt physically or emotionally, it's called abuse, is where somebody has taken control in an area of our lives where they were not allowed to, where they should have protected us, they didn't. They should have provided security for us, and they didn't. And that hurts. And that's why Jesus was so clear on this. He says, even when you come to the altar, leave your gift at the altar. And if, if there's somebody else, and you realize that person has something against you, stop, stop your worship. Go and make right why? Because I don't want you, those people to have control over you because that's what unforgiveness does. If there's unforgiveness in your and my heart, we allow that cycle to perpetuate in our lives. We allow that person to have control over our lives for a long time. We become prisoners to that unforgiveness. And that's why Jesus taught us how we can forgive. That's why he says, I'm going to forgive you so much so now stand in that shadow and learn to forgive others. So you have to deal with certain issues in your past. You have to be free from control. And for some of us, it's not just unforgiveness. For some of us, it's cycles of shame and guilt and condemnation and fear. And, and, and 
And I, I can see it sometimes, you know, sometimes even, sometimes through races coming together and then you realize like, this person, there's something, there's so much fear and intimidation here. Because <laughs> this white person wants to feel too white and the black person wants to feel too black, but Christians, we're Christians. There's no color in the kingdom of God, amen? Because we're free. We're free from control. We're free from hiding behind something for the sake of protection because we've been hurt. So, so many people live out of hurt instead of out of the fullness of Christ. And so that's why God hasn't got an issue and He's like always thinking of fixing you. He just says, I want you to be free because you who the Son has set free is free indeed. So that when you walk out those doors, you're not afraid. But if there's fear in your life, fear means something has got control over you. That's why Scripture says, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> for nothing. Listen to this. And then the third thing is learn to serve. If you want to be free of control, you have to become a servant. Because here in Matthew 20, it says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. To break the, the power of control and fear over your life, it happens through serving. Because Jesus says the world works like this. People would lord it over you. They want to become your master. That cell phone wants to become your master or that ideas or that image wants to control you, tell you who you are. And sometimes you walk here on campus and then you feel so intimidated because everybody else is cool except the Christian. I tell you, be radical. Stand in your identity and authority because listen to what Christ says about you. Don't wake up like you're defeated every day. I'm not talking about a conquering type of Christianity. I'm talking about you serving him first. <laughs> and he was the greatest servant. But, you know, when, the, when those, that centurion even comes to him with a whole garrison of men that wanted to take his life, and then Judas kissed him, the Bible says Jesus gave up his life. He served us with his life. There's actually, you must go and read it. The Bible says the whole garrison fell backwards. Bah! They got slain. <laughs> the presence of God was so much out of, out of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' life wasn't taken. He gave it. And that's the power that we have. We have the power to give love, to serve others. And when you serve that, person in your small group, when you serve somebody at church, or you, like Tosca, or some people here, you know, while we came in here, maybe three minutes to six, the band was practicing whole week, and they were here from four o'clock already, saying, Lord, we're going to serve the people. We're going to show them that we're free. Because the world works completely different. The world says, I want, I want, I want. And whenever I can lord it over somebody, Whenever I can have control over them. And I'm, I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I think it was maybe at the Afrikaans service. But when I worked as a financial manager, the boss called us in. And so we had to decide over the increases every year. And then the boss said, look, yeah, we're going to give everybody 8% increase, but um, actually just 4 So they called everybody in and said, look, yeah, 
you've got 8%, but because of this and this and this and this, we're deducting 1% here, we're deducting another 1% there, and so eventually you just have four. And so they did it with everybody in the company. And afterwards I said to him, do you know what? Uh, that's not cool, eh? You never have a gonna, we're never going to have people that motivate, are motivated and inspired to do anything. So rather tell everybody they've got 2% of increase in their salaries every year. And then what we do is we say, wow, we can see you excelling in this area. And we see you excelling in this area. So we're going to give you an extra 2%. So you get four. Wow. That guy walks out there. Whoa. <laughs> Instead of lying to people and lording it over them. Because if you motivate people by fear, that some of you have experienced here at the issue leads, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to have immediate short-term results. But you'll never have medium and long-term results. Because people just run for a while if you motivate them through fear, and then what happens is they just say, I don't need that. But when people are inspired, (laughs) when people say, I can see, I can go, I can go with this. Then they're not going to steal from your company one day. Then they're not going to try to, you know, bend the rules and say, can I, can I like have, an, you know, if I can just be there one minute to eight. And when we change that thing, do you know what? Within three months, the whole culture of the company changed. People actually came, people actually took homework and they didn't steal anymore. Because people felt worth something. It was much more than just the company or the bottom line. They felt they were valuable. And see, that's how God works with us. He doesn't look at us as to how we can perform. Oh, oh, he's, he's maybe going to make it, but you know what? Oh, no, no, no. She's not being predestined. Oh, no, 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 no. He's, he's good quality. She's not. Uh, she's not. She's, she's not. <laughs> Don't even mention her name. Okay. So, serving, serving, learn to serve. It's completely against the culture. Because when you serve, you heal control. And it goes to the next one. You start to learn to be, have interdependent relationships. Listen to this in Ephesians 5. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. We're never dependent on people. Because when you become dependent on somebody, you give control to that person in areas that you shouldn't. But scripture is very clear that we should be interdependent, meaning that I'm working together and I need people around me that can do things differently than me, that sometimes have different giftings than me, and they're gonna, we're going to be a winning team together. No individual stuff in the kingdom. We haven't been designed. You have not been designed to make it on your own, and you will not make it on your own. You'll make it, maybe make it in a very successful term, but you know what? You're going to destroy a lot of people in the process, and that's how the world works. The world says, climb the ladder, get up there, get more in your bank balance, and do you know what? Then you're going to show the world how important you are and how successful you are, and God doesn't work like that. God can maybe say, hey, stick with that job for 30 years, be faithful, clean the toilets, And you know what? That's what I've called you to do. But we look at what you drive and where you live and where you've been and what, what, you know, and we say that's successful. To God, that means absolutely nothing. Because it's got nothing to do with the heart. You can drive the fanciest car and you have 
is stinking hot. <gasps> Can I get more amens here? Okay, we just we just going. Okay, so listen to this. In, in, <clears throat> we just with the first one in Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? God has given us so many tools, and one of them is fasting. Ooh, not too many amens, okay? I know there's some, some among us, you know, you start fasting at 6 a.m. and 6.30. You're like hungry, like dead, you know? You're like lying in bed, you can't move, you know? <laughs> but I'm not just talking about physical food. I challenged you last week. Go without this thing for two days. And see how much withdrawal systems you'll get. <laughs> systems, here we go again. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's amazing. If I would have asked a, a showing of hands, how many of you either thought about your phone or a WhatsApp or looked on your phone for some sort of soccer thing while we were here? No, 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 I was, I was taking notes. <laughs> but let me just go, oh, 17 WhatsApps. Oh, even one that says, how many people are in church tonight? George WhatsApp me and says he's only back tomorrow. Bernie says, love you, boss. Keep up the great work. Oh, that makes me feel good. <laughs> okay, there's one from Helderberg as well. Benjamin said, see you later. Okay, but that was before church, eh? Where's Benjamin? I saw him here. Okay. Oh, I got somebody from Swen preaching in, in Tigerberg. Pastor Swen preaching tonight in Tigerberg with a beautiful photo. That's amazing. Okay. Oh, I got somebody, one from Wellington as well. Andre, let me just reply. No, no, I'm checking. <laughs> but it's crazy, people. <laughs> Have you been like in a conversation and then somebody just like, I actually saw there's a guy doing the um, the movie of, or, or not the movie, he did a digital cocaine. How many of you have seen that? There's a guy that, there's a Christian guy from America, go and Google him, Huddlestone, Brad Huddlestone. He was here at, at, at the school and then, then he shows this little clip of this lady standing in a wedding dress and the bridegroom next to her and the preacher is busy preaching. And the next moment... She grabs here, and then she takes out her phone. Now this guy's preaching, and then she goes, and she like, <laughs> then she, she WhatsApps quickly, and then she put it, puts it back, and then she listens, and she smiles. She's standing, and she's busy getting married, and then after about two minutes, she goes, takes it out again, and then she like, <laughs> and I think like, <laughs> yeah, and she's good, no, there's no, nothing wrong with it. But I think like, well, that's, that's not like evil, but you know what? Something is controlling her. Fasting. So sometimes we must just abstain from certain things. Sometimes we just learn to say no. Get into nature. Some of you are going to be on holiday this week. Just, just stop the bus. And say, I'm, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to listen to what God wants to say. Sure. And then just the last one. And we're going to take communion now and, and pray that God will break the control of the evil one over us. But... Where it actually wants to come to is when, when, we, when we begin to learn God's authority. 
Listen to this in Luke 9. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Luke 10 verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Because in God's heart, and you can go and read the scriptures. Next week we're going to look at something. He says, whoever is born of God has overcome the world. Nothing on the outside can determine what happens on the inside. Because he's Lord. You've surrendered control to him and you're not surrendering control to anything else. Anything physical, anything emotional on the outside. Remember, I'm not talking about discipline because we need to live disciplined lives. I mean, <laughs> you need to wake up, get to work in time. You need to be disciplined in your prayer and your quiet time. Discipline. It's not discipline if I... Have discipline, it doesn't mean I'm religious in a negative sense. Every Christian must be disciplined in their lifestyle as to who they yield control to. So I'm not talking about discipline tonight. I'm talking about a good control and an evil control. But what God's intention for us is, because Adam and Eve gave away control right at the beginning of mankind, is he delights it when his children begins to stand up in the authority he's given them. And he says he's given them authority and power. Power means like physical power for healing and casting out of demons and the power of God. Paul wrote it and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. Power to take spiritual authority because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. A battle, there's a spiritual battle going on for your life, for who has control. So it starts right there with your own self-control, but then it starts with a war that's going on. A war sometimes between your flesh, your emotions, and your spirit. <laughs> and so Jesus says this in, in Matthew at the end when he gives the Great Commission. He says, behold, all authority has been given to me, and therefore I give that authority to you. So Jesus hands us certain controls. It's called authority. And you know, most of the church, if you are consumeristic, if you are just in it for what you can get and you go to church because it's just the next best show and it's better than the soccer, a little bit better than the soccer, but you know what? I'm going to just go on. You'll never taste authority. Now, the, the disciples, they were not together. They didn't know the most spiritual stuff. But then Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends them out from verse 1, he says, Go. Now they're not spirit filled even. They don't, they don't, they don't they haven't like gone to the school of the supernatural to know exactly how to pray in 45 degrees and then da da da, you know, come out, come out, or move out, or just swing, or whatever you say, you know. But they didn't go to the school of the supernatural. Jesus just says, I've given you authority, go learn. <laughs> and then when they go out, the demons come down, and the, then Jesus rejoices. <laughs> And he says, because I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, he says. But you don't rejoice in that, he says. You rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because you've yielded control to me. I'm your Lord. But once I'm your Lord, I'm going to teach you some things. I'm going to teach you things about the kingdom. And that's what he taught them. Pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. But so many Christians are defeated because they're living a consumeristic relationship. But you can never 
have authority if you don't first know your identity and you learn to walk in obedience just to follow God. When you learn to every day just yield control. And that's got nothing to do with perfection. It's just a lifestyle of trusting, of surrendering. And God will take you on a journey that is going to be the most amazing adventure ever. And most of the time, you're going to feel out of control. Because he is in control. You're going to feel out of comfort so that he can send you the comforter. And you're going to feel like, what on earth is happening here? And then Jesus says, don't worry, we're in a storm, but I'm going to calm the storm. Just, I've given you faith. That's the journey of the Christian. But you see, the devil lies to us. And he says, you just be in control. You just manage your life. You manage the outcomes. Just pretend. And then God says, yield control. Be authentic. Be real before me. Bring all your weaknesses. Bring all your shame. Bring, bring it. Bring it to me. Because in your weakness, I'm made perfect in your weakness. And I'm going to give you a grace. And that's what, where grace kicks in. Grace isn't a ticket to sin. Grace is an enablement. Grace is that ability to say, you're going to make it. Grace is that ability to say, come on, you know. Where you think like, oh, the petrol, the petrol gauge has gone on. That little light has flashed. It's not yellow anymore. It's even red. And then suddenly, there's a switch. It's called the reserve tank. Bah! Now, when I was, I was here, I, I had this old, old Mercedes that came down from my grandfather. You know, when you, when you close the door on this side, the door on that side opened. And it wasn't because there were so many people in the car. But it had a big tank. And this tank had a reserve tank. So when I would go to the farm, I would fill up that tank and I would fill up the reserve tank. And then I would drive for a whole month and a half. And all the small cars, they, they couldn't make it, you know, but I would like, and I would always free down the, you know, the highways. It never went over 80 kilometers an hour, but it was the best ride ever because we could fit 12 people into that car. There were these big seats, this big stuff, and we felt like we're going places. Because I knew, you know, now the petrol gauge didn't even work anymore, but I knew there was a reserve tank, you know. So I'd measure it, and I know, okay, reserve, we're on reserve. We're like, we're going to go places, you know. Then we'll drive over the whole Western Cape, you know. And everybody must stop, and we just say, we're going to go for places. But, but that's grace. It's just like, woo. God has enabled me to do his will. Some of you don't believe that. That God finds pleasure when you do his will. God finds the greatest kick when you overcome that obstacle, that sin, that even idolatry in your life. When you stand up and you say, Lord, thank you for your grace to do your will. Thank you, Father. I'm yielding control to you. Because I can't make it happen. I can't save myself. But I've learned and I know the one who's Lord of my life. I trust him with everything. I trust him with everything. And isn't that the ultimate of what the cross was about? Father, not my will, but your will be done. Father, please forgive them because they do not know what they're doing to me. And they do not know what they're doing to you. Father, I've come to serve them with my life come to show them another kingdom that it works differently in that kingdom 
that stopped your world. John, that's your mother. Look after her. Because you can't make it alone. He said to his own brother, half-brother, look after your mother. Because relationships is important. And so you can go through all this stuff and then you say, finally, when that death has come, (laughs) resurrection comes, resurrection power. It's called the authority of God. And that's where the Christian is called to. That's where we can take back what has been stolen. That's where you can walk into somebody's life and you can begin to intercede for that person and say, Father, open up their eyes to see. Lord, I take authority over the influence of this stuff. Because most people out there, they're just slaves to the world. They've just given over control to that drinking spirit, to that intellectual spirit, to that deep thing that drives them not ever to be rejected again. So when somebody's just rebellious, they're running around, loud mouth, screaming at God, screaming at everything, I realize he's just hurt. He's just running away. He's struggling to give up control. She's, she's sleeping with every second guy. She's just so looking for love. She's yielding control to somebody else. But there's a- Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.